Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. But what amazing truths that is that we just sang, huh? The power of God to work in our lives through the Lord Jesus Christ and just envisioning what was going on in the spiritual realm when, when Jesus was crucified and taking our sins upon him and, and God in human form actually dying and what does that mean in heaven and, and, uh, and then though three days later when he rose from the dead. Man, it is settled, isn't it? Uh, and uh, so it's so awesome that power is available to us. Whatever it is that needs to happen in your life today, in my life today, God is able to do it. With him, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible to him. And uh, that doesn't mean he will always do the things that we think he ought to do or that he will necessarily do them the way that we would like him to do it. But he knows what's best and he's able to do it in our lives. Good news, isn't it? Such good news. Well, the beginning of this year, uh, I don't remember exactly, but someplace toward the beginning of the year, it just became real clear that my father needed to uh, live in a different place than he's been living. He's been in assisted living, and uh, his dementia has increased to the point to where he, he just doesn't do real well in that environment. And so it became clear to me and to the place where he was living. And, and so we began this process of trying to find a place for him that will work for him and also that he is able to be in for, because of financial reasons. And uh, so it kind of became clear that, that the soldier's home out at Holyoke would be really good for him. And so I, I applied and sent the information out there and uh, waiting. And then back in May... Uh, in essence, they accepted him. And they said, okay, we want to do an assessment. Bring him in, we want an assessment because we want to figure, we know where we need to put him and all that kind of stuff. And, but by the way, here's a, another whole packet of stuff to fill out. Who loves paperwork? You can make a lot of money, Diane, I bet you, if you do the paperwork for people, okay? Man, it's crazy. Filling it out, trying to find it, trying and. And so we had this whole process, and I, and I finally got that done. It took a couple months to gather that, because I mean, I had to, had to uh, have the government send me stuff that they had archived someplace that isn't in a computer, you know? I mean, all this kind of thing. And so it's waiting and waiting and waiting, and then finally on uh, July 25th, the Thursday, we had an assessment, and went and they assessed him, and good to go, and everything looks just like we were thinking it would be a good place for him, it's, it's affordable for him. All of these kinds of things. And then they said, all right, so we're all set. And I said, okay, so when? And they said, well, we usually say one to two months. But the reality is it could be two weeks, could be 10 weeks. We don't know until a place opens up. Okay. So two weeks came, and I thought maybe we'd be the two weeks. But we weren't the two weeks one. One month came and we weren't the one month one. Two weeks came and, or two months came and we weren't the 
two months when I started posting on Facebook our prayer page saying, guys, could you pray? Because this is getting, because where he's at, in order to protect themselves from, in case something goes wrong with him or so, you know, they had begun the eviction process and I'd actually talking to lawyers now because October 17th, he had a court date. I mean, this is, you know, I'm just getting, and then this last Wednesday, I got a phone call. They said, we got a bed for him Monday morning tomorrow morning. So thank you to all of you who prayed. I appreciate that so much. And what's interesting now is, yay, it's fine. You know, I got the phone call. It was funny because the lady on the other end, she says, hi, is this, you know, Walter Graham? Yes. Well, I'm calling from the soldier's home because we have a bed. I was, praise the Lord. And she goes, oh, I guess you would like to have the bed. Then. <laughs> yeah, I talked to her about that a little bit. Anyway, um, but then you, I get to pack it about that stuff. And now I have other questions and silly concerns. I shouldn't be concerned. Does, does God have this figured out? Yeah. Even if there's going to be some difficulties, God's got that figured out. I, I need to remember that. But, but what hit me was this. It's, it's like um, way back when they first called and said, yeah, okay, yes, we have him, you know, fill out the packet. We want to do an assessment. He was accepted. Right? But then we had this time process of going through this process to get everything in place. And then tomorrow is the day. And it reminds me, we're talking about the gospel. Um, that the gospel is such good news, but we tend to think that the gospel is this point in time. We think the gospel is that first letter that I received from Soldier's Home saying... Okay, you're, you know, he's accepted, but we, now we need to do this assessment. So, um, let's just review here. We talked about uh, a few weeks ago the fact that as a believer, I can say this, that I am saved from the penalty of sin. April the 4th, 1975, between 9 and 10 o'clock at night, I opened up my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, I am a sinner. I know that I've sinned against you. My sins have separated me from, from you, God. And if I die like this, I'm headed for hell. That's what I've earned. And, uh, but I believe that what the Bible said, that Jesus, the Son of God, lived a perfect, sinless life. When he goes to the cross and dies, God the Father put all of the penalty for my sin on him. And somehow he dies paying the penalty for my sins and rises again from the dead. And he says, if I'll just acknowledge my need to him, that I have sinned, and my way is, is not the right, right way, and I can't fix this problem, and I turn away from my own ways and, my, and turn to the Lord and say, okay, God, I trust you for what you did for me in Jesus. Called receiving Christ as Savior. And then when I did that, that night, that very moment, every sin was forgiven. How many of my sins did Jesus die for? Okay, so let's see, 1975, I'm, I'm still 19 years old. Uh, so I had 19 years, uh, you know, since. What about the, all the years since then? Did Jesus die for those sins too? Okay, and so what about all the, I try not to commit a lot of sins, okay? Just to assure you, in the past, I try not to, okay? But the truth is, is I'm going to sin again before I die at some point, right? Did Jesus die for those sins too? Okay, so I just understand, it's that moment I received Christ, 
the penalty for all of my sins paid forever. I will never be unsaved again. God himself moved in and put life in me deep down inside in my spirit. His life, eternal life, okay? And this was like, for, for me, it's, it's like that paperwork that my dad received saying, okay, come, Here, we accept you. All right. Now the problem is, is the, the deal was now fill out all of the paperwork again. Go through this whole process. And what I feel like is in our life, so we think gospel, good news. Is it, by the way, is it good news that our sins are forgiven? Is it good news that we have eternal life? And this life was over? Yeah, good news that God moved? Yes, it's all good news. But it's bigger than that. It, this isn't just it. Then we, we begin living like people who have been saved. And boy, is that a process because if you haven't figured it out yet, sin did a real number on you. It did. A sin nature that you had deep down inside really messed with you. And so we're in this process of, of the Lord helping us to learn and to think differently, to think differently about uh, what's in front of us, to think differently about our past, to think differently about the future, to, to think in things that are in line with his word and to, to grow in those things and to become more like Jesus in our character and in our, our hearts, our thinking. And, and so we call this the whole, it's a process of sanctification. But the Bible talks about it this way as well. Not only am I saved from the penalty of sin, now that I enter this process, I am being saved from the power of sin. Are you with me on that? In other words, all the ways that sin has affected me, slowly but surely, sometimes fast, but God is at work changing me. If you know the Lord, he's doing the same thing for you. And we said what our responsibility in here is to cooperate with this process, right? To cooperate with this process. Um, and so I kind of feel like in our lives we're in this situation from the time that my dad got the first letter till he, you know, first letter assessed me, he's already accepted, but now we're coming up till he's going tomorrow. When's your life going to end? When is the Lord returning for us? Could be today, right? I mean, maybe before we're done here. Maybe the next 10 seconds. Not yet. That's right. So, but he's coming, okay? And so here's the, the reality. Over here, I am, I, my sins are forgiven forever. I have eternal life. He's come to live within me, not letting go of me. Since then, for me, since April 4th, 1975, he's been at work in me, changing me. And when I've cooperated with him, it works real well. And when I haven't been so cooperative, it hasn't worked so well. But I'm being changed slowly but surely. I'm not the person I used to be, and that's a good thing. It's been changing. But there's going to come a point in time for me and for you where either I take my last breath or the Lord returns for us and takes us up. We're going to talk about that this, uh, this morning. But there's coming a day, when, with respect to the gospel, that I will be saved from the presence of sin. All sin will be gone. And we don't even know what that is like, do we? You have never lived a moment in your life when you have not had the burden of sin 
either in your thinking, in your heart, in your body. You've never had a moment when you didn't have that. We don't know what it's like. But I tell you what, when it's gone, I'm going to think it's good. And so are you. You know? So let's do this. Let's trace, go through the Bible today, and then let's look at this idea of the presence of sin and, and uh, where it came from, what it's done, and then where we are headed with respect to the gospel. So take the Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 3. And uh, we're going to look at a bunch of scriptures today, so I really encourage you to follow along. If you don't have your own Bible, there's Bibles under the chairs there, and, and the page numbers for these passages will be on the screen up there behind me. Genesis chapter 3. Story of Adam and Eve. Satan has come, and in the form of a serpent, uh, lied to them, tempted them. They have believed the lie, and now they act on it. So let's start in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and by the way, before we go to this, was there any sin in Adam and Eve's life at this point? No sin. They didn't know what sin was. And as far as experiencing it, they didn't. So the, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, um, the Bible's quite clear that the idea of nakedness between a man and a wife, at the end of chapter 2, you can see it is not a bad thing, right? It's a positive thing. It's a good thing. But what we see is something happened to them, that immediately they became so self-conscious that they felt like even physically they needed to cover up. They go into hiding from each other. And, and we, sin always pushes us to hide from each other. It does. Think about this today. Isn't it true that there are things in you that you are just hoping nobody else knows or sees? Right? I and mean, that's the natural thing for us. That's what came when sin came. All right, let's continue to read. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Not only did we go into hiding from each other, we went into hiding from God. Now that's a bad choice, isn't it? Then the Lord God called Adam and said to him, where are you? And of course he knew where he was. He wanted Adam to deal with it. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the tree and I ate. <laughs> There's another consequence of sin. It's not really my fault, God. <laughs> See that woman over there? <laughs> All these things are immediate results of sin, see? Verse 13, the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. That's a true statement, but still, it's, it's his fault. So the Lord God said to the serpent, and remember the serpent was, Satan was in the serpent. And you may have questions I'm not going to answer here today. I'd be glad to talk to you about it afterwards. 
But he says, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And just so you know, this is a promise from the Lord uh, that he is going to send a seed, a descendant of the woman who will be victorious over the serpent. It says the serpent will strike his heel, but he will crush the serpent's head. Okay. And this is really a foretelling of Christ coming, the descendant of the woman who dies on the cross. He is wounded by Satan and sin. But when he rises from the dead, he effectively did what to the serpent, to Satan? He did what? It's all done. Okay. To the woman, he said. By the way, that's the good news in this story. Verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception and pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. So all these things that that we look to for joy also bring hardship. Childbearing is awesome. I can say that because I never had to bear one. (laughs) Having children is awesome, but it's difficult too, isn't it? So there's heartbreaking things that go along with it. In this relationship between man and woman, which God intended to be so uh, open and intimate and wonderful, he says here, now it's going to be problematic. It isn't going to go the way that you want it to go. Verse 17, then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, in the, the implication, instead of me, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the, the, um, the herb of the field, and the, sweet of, the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So your body's going to die, and all of creation has been affected by sin. The very dust itself, I believe the elements of creation, have been impacted by sin. And it doesn't Have you ever noticed that things are hard in life? Anybody besides me ever noticed anything? Do do the tires on your car ever fill up by themselves? No, they run out of air. Does the car ever get less rusty on its own? No, it gets rustier. I mean, do you ever take anything back to the store because you say this thing won't break, it just keeps running? No, it breaks, right? I mean, Creation has been affected by sin. Verse 20, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. And I think we see here a picture of, and we'll talk more about this actually in the teaching hour, but a picture of the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ for us. An animal dies to provide them a covering. Christ is going to die to provide a permanent dealing with the issue. Verse 22, then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit having a conversation to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. That would be bad. Sinful, now living forever in that condition, no good. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And so access to the tree of life is now removed. It's gone. 
Sin has done a number, and it's done a much bigger number. Every, every wrong thing that's ever happened, every painful thing that's ever happened, every ugly thing that's ever happened, all this kind of stuff comes from this and our, live, our being like Adam ourselves. Okay? All right, so let's go over to Romans chapter 8. So this is how the presence of sin came to be in our lives. Romans chapter 8 talks about this situation, and not just us, but all of creation. Romans 8, let's start in verse 18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So all this stuff we're talking about, he says, yeah, we can get discouraged by it. It can seem hard, but he says, it just, it's nothing compared to what God is going to do for us. This will, don't let this bother you so much now, because I guarantee you there'll come a day when it won't bother you at all. Okay. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So what God is going to do in our lives, he says, somehow the creation is also waiting for this. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. But the creation was subjected to futility. What, if, I, if you say something's futile, what do you mean? Ah, it doesn't work, right? What's, what's the point? I can't get, this isn't what it, way it's supposed to be. It's futile. And so when the curse of sin, that's how we talk about it, was placed on creation, as we read back there in Genesis, all of creation is, is operating like this now. Let's continue to see what he says about it. 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So wait a minute. So we're saying there's coming this future day when whether, you know, of course, if I die, this won't happen with creation. But when the Lord returns for us and begins this process, it will. And that creation itself is also going to be eventually freed from the presence of sin. And that really matters for a lot of reasons. Let's continue. Verse 22. For, the, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Okay. Just a quick review. When we talk about when we received Christ and, and we were forgiven our sins and, and that which was dead in us became alive because God himself moved in and gave us this life. That's in our spirit. That's that deepest down part of us where we can have a direct relationship with God and, and forever changed, saved. What? I said, I am what? Saved. It's all done. Now my soul, my mind, my, my will, my emotions, my personality, so messed up by sin, we're in process. It is in the process of what? Being saved. And I've, I've talked to you about our bodies. Our bodies have no morals. Our bodies don't. Our bodies like what feels good and like, don't like what doesn't feel good, right? Are you with me on that? You guys look at me like, maybe I'm the only one with a body like that? <laughs> no, my body's a party waiting for a place to happen. That's the way the body is, okay? And so what's he say here? We've been saved. We are being saved. Our soul, And there's coming a day 
when our body will be saved, the redemption of our body in the future. Sin going to be removed from the body. All right, let's go to just go one chapter uh, four, or uh, how are you toward the front of your Bible, chapter seven. And so this is the situation we find ourselves in now. So all of creation is affected by sin and the presence of sin. And we're looking forward to the redemption. But, so, but here's where we are now. So start in chapter 7, verse 15. He says, for Paul talking about his experience here and trying to live the Christian life. He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And I, I don't want you to think that Paul here is trying to say that he's not responsible for his actions. He is responsible for his choices and actions. But what he's saying is that God has changed me down inside. I'm still being changed, but there's something here. Sin is still present. And the fact that sin is still present gives me problems. Verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, my body here, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. By the way, anybody here feel like you could have written these words? I could have. Verse 19, for the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do and what I don't want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. I, I, really, inside, I want to be different. I want to do different but I see another law in my members, my body here, physically warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched, miserable man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Why? Sin is still present. There's a battle because sin is still present. There's a struggle because sin is still present. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. We're being saved from the power. We're making better choices. We don't always do what's wrong. We hopefully we get more and more. We do better and better, but it's always present. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. Verse number 27 is a verse that I often refer to when I'm helping people to understand uh, the gospel in their need of a savior. But verse 27, it says, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment, we don't just die, there's judgment. Then he says this, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, that's those who are saved and been changed. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Apart from sin for salvation. There's coming a time when sin will not be in the picture. What's the word gospel mean? This is good news. There's coming a time when sin will not be in the picture. When Christ returns, we have this new experience from him separate from sin. Our bodies will have been saved. 
Praise the Lord for that. I wonder what kind of new body I'll have. Anyway, for believers in Christ, when this life ends, whether in death or in the rapture, we will never again experience the presence of sin in our lives. Isn't that good to know? So Marion, when Bob passed, all of a sudden there was no sin left. Gone. He's never going to experience sin again. Isn't that good news? Good news for him, good news for us. That moment we go to be with the Lord, like I said, whether he comes for us, all of us together, or whether he comes for us individually in death. So let's talk about chronology. How are we getting here? Okay, so here we are. We've been, hopefully you've been saved. If you haven't received Christ as Savior, you need to do that. Because if you die without this, you aren't going to experience what we're talking about here today. Okay. But so you receive Christ as Savior, you're saved, you're being saved from the the, uh, controlling power of sin. Now at some point in time, like I said, we could pass away, but I want to move beyond that and talk about the future events that the Lord has planned when he's really going to finish it all. The next event for us on this timeline, chronology, is what was called the rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks pretty specifically about it, and there are other places in Scripture that would point to it, I believe. but it's where God, the Lord Jesus Christ, comes down from heaven and calls all of us who know him and all of those who have known him out of the graves, and if they, we haven't died directly, up to be with him. And we are changed. At that point, we will be changed. You don't get to take this sinful body to heaven. Yay! You don't. You won't want to. You're going to get a different one. A new one, a changed one. Jesus had a new body. Okay? So, I mean, we're going to get this new resurrected body. So that is the rapture. And then the Bible, in fact, let me just, let me pull this back here. I'm going to borrow the other timeline, okay? We're setting up a new timeline here. Um, So we don't know when this is going to occur, but the rapture is this next event that lies on the, uh, the end times calendar here. The rapture. When the rapture occurs, we go to be with the Lord and with all who, others who have believed with him uh, in heaven. And on earth, there's seven years of what is now called the tribulation or the great tribulation. Seven years in which Satan will have a much freer reign and he's going to do his thing. But God is also going to be judging the earth and judging sin. And many people in this process will come to know the Lord in this process. They'll come to understand the gospel because the Lord has made provision to have preaching in this time. Um, but so it's going to be not a good time. It's all going to happen. So at the end of this seven-year period, the Lord comes back, this time not just in heaven, but to the earth. This is what's called the second coming of Christ. He came the first time back there in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. Now this is the second coming. He's coming back to earth. And when he comes back to earth, we come back with him. Okay, And he settles... Everything at that moment, uh, anybody who has not believed, who does not believe, who does not trust, will have died at this point. And there will be people who have come to faith who have not died. Most people who come to faith in the, during the tribulation will die. But not all of them. Some will still be alive when the Lord returns. And then they will live on. So I'm gonna, I'll catch up with you here, wherever your brain's going right now. So the Lord has returned, and now he sets up his kingdom on earth. As we look at the word and what he's promised to his people, and particularly to the, his, 
the, the Jewish people, he has promised an earthly kingdom in which he will reign. A descendant of David will reign. Jesus, a descendant of David, will reign on earth. Okay? And it says that we will come back and we will rule and reign with him. We're going to be working for the Lord in this. There will be people still on earth who have not been changed. They will marry. They will have kids. Those kids will, will uh, be born. They will need to receive Christ as Savior. Or not. They might not, but they will need to. And so the world will be, will be repopulated. We'll be serving the Lord down here. So there's still some presence of sin in this point. Let's look at Revelation chapter 20. Yeah, you might keep marked in Revelation 20. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit. And this is right after we have returned with the Lord and the rebellion's been settled. I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So the one behind all the problems is going to be bound away. He's going to be in prison. That's good news. Okay? And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God during the, the tribulation who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, so they have been raised new, new bodies like us. But the rest of the dead, the ones who did not know the Lord, the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so the residents of this kingdom, Christ is a resident of this kingdom. We are residents of this kingdom. Has our body been changed? It's not a trick question. Remember when the rapture came? Our bodies were changed. There is no more sin in us at all. Gone forever. And we will be ruling and reigning with Christ who also has no sin on earth but there will still be mortals, human beings on this earth who have to make decisions about their relationship with God and what they do, okay? All right. Um, let's go to Isaiah chapter 11. During this time, during this thousand-year reign, this curse of sin on creation is, is at least going to be restrained it's going to be different than it is now. And, and once again, Satan is put away, so we don't have that influence. And then the curse of sin on creation, God pushes it way back, and it is restrained. Verse 6, talking about this, this time, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So, that, will that be nice? 
bunch of years ago, our son Matt had chickens. Chickens in, in, a, in a penned in area in the backyard. Well, the chickens managed to get out off and on. Well, one morning, just about the time, it's just starting to get light outside, I hear something like that. I wake up and I get up and I look out and there's this trail of feathers across the backyard. And one of the chickens is missing. <laughs> the chicken and the dog down the street <laughs> will get along. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? This, well, this is, it's, things are going to be different. The child will be safe elsewhere. We aren't going to take the time right now because uh, we just don't have the time. Uh, but the, the lifespans will be increased. Um, because once again, sin is being restrained. Let's go to Revelation 20. So remember, we are here serving the Lord, but we'll have no sin in us at all. We've been forever changed. There's still some sin in the world. Boy, let me tell you what. I, wanna, I do want to focus in on something. Let me just look here for a moment. So just know there will be a final rebellion. I'm going to save the time. There will be a final rebellion, as the Bible talks about. Those who in the world who have not chosen to believe in the Lord as Savior will follow Satan's rebellion, and then that rebellion will be put down forever. And then we have a promise. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. Beginning in verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And when it's, the Bible says the day of the Lord, it doesn't always mean a specific day. It can mean all of these end time events. The day of the Lord. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. Get this. In which righteousness dwells, not sin. It doesn't say not sin, but right? A new heaven. New earth. And for time's sake, we're just not going to turn to them. Revelation 21 talks about this. Revelation 22 talks about it. Descriptions. Um, but this, at the end of this thousand years, after the final judgment and all that, God is going to make all things new. New heavens. New earth. No sin. And remember back in Genesis when the, the man was cut off from the tree of life? Well, Revelation 22, tree of life is back. And we have access. And I, I, I don't know what to tell you about everything that means, but that's a good thing. No more sin. This is the promise. This is where we are going. And so we can say, I am saved from the penalty of sin. I am being saved from the controlling power of sin. And there's coming a day. There's coming a day when I will be saved from the presence of sin. Gospel. Good news. Real good news. 
We read a verse there written by Peter and he said this, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Since this is what God is doing and this is where we're heading, how should we live today?